Today we are starting a new series called Christianity Light. It's going to go for several weeks. This is inspired by a book I read a number of weeks ago, or a number of years ago, actually, uh, by, by the same title. And uh, as I look around at the church world today, it just seems that in so many places, in so many ways, there, there are so many churches that are diluting the message of the gospel. And so what I want to do is I want to preach a series of messages to address that. And the, the title of today's message, I know it sounds very, very counterproductive, but it's the essence of Christianity light. And uh, this is not a prescription. It's just a title. And the title is more me, less God. Today, I'm, what I'm going to do is we're just going to lay the foundation for the rest of this series and, and, uh, and, and let you understand what we're talking about. And then we'll be talking about a number of different issues in the coming weeks. But as we get started, would you bow your head and let's just pray together. Father, I ask that you would bless this time. Bless this message, O oh God, and change our, our lives. We're here to hear from you, Lord. And we don't want anything watered down. We want it to hear directly from you. We want to hear your word just as you spoke it. So challenge us, God, and change us. Speak to us today, God, in our, in our innermost being. And I pray that you would have your way in us. And I believe you for it. In the strong name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Over the past several years, we have seen something that I think is very troubling happen. We, we've started to see the message of the gospel at times lower to the point where we accept sin more and more and more, and we dilute purity and holiness more and more and more. And to illustrate what I'm talking about, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start by just telling you the story, the true story. I heard him tell the story of a pastor from California. I'm not going to say who he is, but, but he was invited to speak at a number of churches in Europe. He pastors a large church out west, and he was traveling around Europe, and, and he was speaking at different churches. He didn't know the pastors of the churches. Somebody else had set up his itinerary, and so uh, he would arrive at a church, and he would he would meet the pastor for the first time. But he noticed as he traveled around that most of the new church buildings that they had had not built places for altars. The seats usually just came right up to the platform. And on one particular Sunday, he went to a church and he met the pastor for the first time. And the pastor had been there for 12 years and he had been saved for about 20 years. And the pastor from California walked in and the pastor greeted him at the door. He was very, very kind and he and, and, and they, as they walked into the main auditorium of the church, he, he said to the, the pastor of the church, said to the visiting pastor, he said, Pastor, I want you to know that, that we don't give altar calls here. We, we don't have people get out of their seats and walk forward. If, if you do that, they've never done that. And I just, I just don't want you to be embarrassed. So if you do that, nobody's going to get up and, because they just don't do that here. So eventually the service started and the worship team was was, uh, led the singing and everything was just really, really slick. It reminded the pastor from California of a talk show. You know, somebody would run up, do something, and then run off really quickly. And then it went into the announcements, and the announcements were like a like a Hollywood production that that had nothing to do with the Lord, nothing to do with Christ. It was very cool. It was very edgy. It was very relevant. But meanwhile, this pastor from California was sitting there at the platform, and he just wasn't feeling anything at all. The, pat, the, the people were sitting there and watching all this and he was looking at it and he, he was just thinking to himself, this is crazy. There's just, there's just nothing here. And finally got to the place in the service where they were going to introduce the speaker and he was sitting there actually on the front row of the, 
and the pastor of the church got up and he, and he made the introduction. He said, ladies and gentlemen, today we're very honored to have a pastor from America here with us. Let's welcome him. And as the pastor uh, from California starts walking up on the platform, the band was still on the platform at the time. And as he walks up to the pulpit, they start to play this song. So they, they played that song and, and, and it couldn't have gotten any, any more worldly. Now, listen, I, I like that song, but, but it's the wrong place, it's the wrong time. And, and if the Holy Spirit was there at all, the pastor said he was gone. Anyway, this pastor got up and he's thinking, he's thinking, God, God, help me. He's praying and he's saying, Lord, we're, we're going to have to help this poor church out. He said, if you're going to, you're going to have to put an anointing on me really quick to make this happen because they need to have a breakthrough of the presence of God in this church. So he preached about lives being changed and repentance and the spirit of God came into that building and a, and a hush filled the church. Now, now listen to this. He was 28 minutes into the message. He was, he was ready to stop, ready to give the altar call. He's 28 minutes into the sermon. He's starting his altar call and he's giving the altar call and they're going to, they're going to raise hands in just a moment. They're going to come to the altar. God's going to do something. And, and he, he didn't know what they did in the past as far as altar calls, but they were going to have an altar call that day. Today they're going to do this thing. And he gets to the altar call 28 minutes in and it's really quiet like this. It's just a hush. He's saying, the Lord is going to change you today. The Lord is going to save you today. Your sin is going to be broken out of your life today. I'm going to ask you to lift. And as he said that, beep, 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 beep. All of a sudden, he, he hears this beeping. He starts looking around and like, like, what is it? What's going on? And the, the pastor was close by and, and he said to him, he said, it's, it's the alarm on the pulpit. He, they, they had an alarm that the speaker couldn't see on the pulpit that was going to set to go off at a certain time. And at that moment in time, it would start beeping. And so it started beeping really loudly, right, right in, going into the altar call and, uh, and, and the, the, like an alarm clock. And the, the pastor from California, he starts looking for it and he has a microphone phone on. So as he gets closer, the beeping just gets louder and louder and louder. And he's in the middle of an altar call. Well, the pastor of the church had to get up during the altar call and find the button to just turn off the alarm. And when he came up to the pulpit, he looked at him, the pastor from California looked at the pastor and he, and he said, do you want me to stop? He said, I'll stop right now if this is it. Your beeper went off and I'll stop if you want me to. And the pastor, the church's pastor just looked at him and it's kind of those moments where the anointing was so strong. He was like, if I tell you to stop, God's going to kill me. <laughs> I'm going to die right now. And so he said, no, go on. And the pastor from California gave an altar call. And people got up and walked down to the altar and they were crying. And it was just a powerful moment. But later that day, the two pastors sat down to lunch and it was then that the guy from California really understood why he, why he was there. He, he asked the pastor of the church, how long have you been saved? And, and he said, I've been saved for 20 years. And then the preacher from California looked at him and he said, your church is not growing. And he said, how do you know that? 
He said, I can tell because there's no spirit that draws anybody here. He went on and he, and he said to him in a straightforward conversation, you're playing games. There's nothing spiritual that's going on. And then, then he asked the pastor to tell him about his salvation. And the pastor told him this powerful story about how he was saved, how he was, he was in the world and how he repented and how God's power totally changed him. And the, the guy from California looked at that pastor and he said, where is that guy? What happened to you? The power that came on you to change your rotten life 20 years ago is the same power these people need. Bring God back into this. And he, he realized at that moment the real reason he was there was to talk to that pastor. And that pastor started crying and he said, you're exactly right. He said, I have failed my people. I have not carried what saved me back to them. See, what he was doing was the Christianity light thing. And there's so many people that get stuck in this area. Look, look at what it says in John chapter 12. Let's, let's talk about what God said. Uh, let's talk about real Christianity. It says this in John 12, 24. I, and this is Jesus speaking. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone, but its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. He says that unless a seed dies, it cannot multiply and bear fruit. You have to plant it down into the ground and then there will be a great harvest. When the seed dies, then a great harvest comes from it. What Jesus is saying, and this is going to sound very strange to you, but I'll explain it to you more fully. What Jesus is saying in this moment is that Jesus didn't come to hurt you. He came to kill you. And I know somebody, somebody's already saying, oh, he came to give us abundant life. Well, we're going to get to that in a minute. But he didn't come to kill your physical body, but he came to humiliate and to kill your flesh, to kill your anger, to kill your pride, to kill your ego, to kill all of these areas of self in your life. He came to destroy it all. So, so you have to understand that Jesus came to kill these areas in your life. Amen. So turn over to Romans chapter six, beginning in verse one. Paul's writing and he says this. Well, then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Paul is talking about grace in this section of this portion of uh, scripture. And, 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 and there's some uh, teaching out there today that distorts grace and turns it into something that it is not. But I'm talking about real Christianity versus Christianity like Real Christianity means that once you get saved, there is a change in your life. There's a change in your life. You cannot continue to live the way you used to live after you come to know Christ, if you truly are a Christian. Statistics tell us, unfortunately, the truth is that the, statistically there is very little difference between those who claim to be Christians and those who do not claim to be Christians. There's not much of a change in conduct in many people's life after they quote unquote get saved. That's, that is Christianity light, not real Christianity. How sad is it to know that God saves us and then we act like we're still in the world. After we come to Christ, as Paul said, we don't keep on sinning. That's exactly what Paul said. Look at Romans 7, 21. He wrote, I have discovered this principle in life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with my, all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Now, now what 
what that's saying is that you and I cannot make it on our own in our walk with Christ because of this area of sin in our lives. Sin, you need to understand this, sin wants to own you and it wants to yank you back away from, from following Jesus. So the less of God I have, then the more of hell I'm going to have and it's going to pull me back. In fact, listen, that's why we need to get to church every week. It doesn't matter how you feel, you get to church. It doesn't matter how bad a morning it's been, you need to get to church because it's in His, in, in His presence where He can do something. Got, you've got to find a way to get to church because the devil is fighting you and he's trying to keep you from getting something that's going to give you some spiritual muscle in your life. The devil, the devil was, doesn't want you to pray. How many of you figured that out? He doesn't want you seeking the face of God. He doesn't want you standing in the gap for other people. He doesn't want you to be in a place where the Holy Spirit could do something in your life. Can I, can I tell you something? It may be shocking to you. He would rather have you come to church every single service and never miss a service and sit there and listen and walk out the doors completely unchanged and completely unmoved rather than have you engage in the spiritual battle for the souls of men and women. He would rather have you do church than pray. Amen. Well, let's go to Luke 14, 25. A large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, if you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters. Yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And listen to this verse. This is so important. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. So, Jesus is saying in this passage here that true Christianity means you have to carry a cross. Now, that doesn't mean as much to us today because for us, carrying a cross is a little emblem that we carry on a necklace around a, you know, a, or, or a, a ring or a, or a bracelet or something like that. But, but if you were carrying a cross 2,000 years ago, it wasn't on a chain around your neck. You were dragging it and you were ready to, about to be crucified on it. You were, you were going to die if you were carrying a cross. In the culture, in the time when Jesus was speaking, when they heard him say, you have to carry your cross if you're going to follow me, they understood that if you were carrying a cross, you were on your way to your execution. So if you, if you don't carry your cross and die, what, what did we read earlier? then you're never going to multiply the harvest of lives and souls in your life. So Jesus says, to be my disciple, you have to carry this cross. This cross means that you're going to have to die. And he's, the Spirit's dealing with us saying, Dave, die. Just hurry up and die. I don't want to see your anger. I don't want to see your foolishness. I don't want to see your pride. Hurry up and die. Because you remember we said earlier, we like to quote, we love the verse, and it's a powerful verse. I love the verse that says that, that Jesus came to give us life and give it more abundantly. Here's the thing, that is talking about a resurrection life, but you can only experience a resurrection after you die. When you die, then and only then can you experience the resurrection. And some of us have never experienced the resurrection part of Christianity that God says is available to us because we have never died to ourselves. How, now, how do you know if you've died to yourself? How do you know? Well, you know, here's some things about observations about dead, deadness, if you will. If you're dead, nothing can hurt you. Isn't that right? 
Now, now don't lift your hand, but some of you still get hurt very easily, don't you? Somebody offends you, you get hurt. But if you're dead, you can't be hurt. You know, I mean, if I'm dead, you can write about what you want about me, but it won't bother me. I'm not going to get upset because I'm dead. It doesn't hurt me. You can pinch me or slap me in the face. It doesn't hurt me because I'm a dead person. You can even stab me in the back and it doesn't bother me because I'm dead. You can spit in my face. I don't respond to that. Why? Because I don't feel it if I'm dead. And if you look at your life and realize that you can't do that, then that means that there's still some dying that needs to take place. If there are parts of your life you look at yourself and say, man, I, I, could, never, I could never respond that way, that means I've still got to die to something inside of me. It, 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 there, there's still some areas where your flesh is alive and well, and it's time to crucify the flesh. Too many of us respond to the things that happen to us and the reason is because we haven't died yet. We have to get rid of that. We have to crucify this. So like, like I said earlier, Jesus didn't come to hurt you. He came to kill you. That's what he wants to do in your life. He came to kill that old man so that he can bring a resurrection into your life, a new life. Now, there is a Wendy's commercial. This is going to be, feel like a big left turn, but it's going somewhere, promise me. I promise you. There's a Wendy's commercial way back in the 80s. Uh, some of you weren't even born. How many of you were not born in the 80s? Okay, some of you. Yeah. Well, I didn't mean, I didn't mean, I mean, some people, Willie raised her hand. I, I didn't mean not specifically. I mean, 80s or earlier, you were not born is what I meant to say. You, you were correct in your answer. I just, I just asked it incorrectly. But anyway, I digress. But back in the 80s, Wendy's, there was a Wendy's commercial. It was probably one of the most successful ad, ad campaigns to ever hit the market. It was, it was really a big deal. It just kind of took off. It, was, it went viral before there was any viral, you know, that sort of thing. And if you remember, Wendy's makes square hamburgers so that the four corners of the, of the, of the burger will stick outside of the bun to, to show you how big their burgers are. So they, they did this ad campaign, and you're going to remember it. And I, I'm, I'm going to go into... What I'm doing here, what I'm getting ready to do is I'm getting ready to uh, go into some things about where Christianity light comes from, how it has developed in the church. And, and, and this is a good illustration of what's happened with Christianity. So some of you remember this old lady who asked a question for the ages. I'll just let you watch it. Here, here's actually I've got two commercials I'm going to show you. So watch this. Watch this commercial. It certainly is a big bun. It's a very big bun. Big fluffy bun. It's a very big fluffy bun. Where's the beef? Some hamburger places give you a lot less beef on a lot of bun. Where's the beef? At Wendy's, we serve a hamburger we modestly call a single. And Wendy's single has more beef than the Whopper or Big Mac. At Wendy's, you get more beef and less bun. Hey, where's the beef? I don't think there's anybody back there. You want something better. You're Wendy's kind of people. Yes, we know it's a big fluffy Talk bun. Talk to the manager. It is the manager. Where's the beef? He's putting us under the supervisor. If you ask me what you did, we should call the owner. At Wendy's, the hamburger we modestly call a single has more beef than the Big Mac or Whopper. We've got the owner. Hello? Where's the beef? Wendy's kind of people never ask, where's the beef? I don't think there's anybody there. I really don't. How many remember those, those commercials? Yeah, you're old. Where's the beef? I don't think there's anybody back there. 
Uh, where is the beef? That's all she said. She was famous for saying three words. Where is the beef? So basically, God is shouting to the church today, where's the meat? Where is the meat in the church? Are we just going to celebrate the bun? Where's the meat in the church where we are not going to run from the word of God that says, I need to straighten up and I need to get my life together? So hang with me for the next few moments because I'm going somewhere with this. And this is going to seem very strange to talk about this in church, but it's going somewhere. I'm leading somewhere, I promise but Miller Brewing Company came out with something new that had never been done before a number of years ago. They came out with this new kind of beer that was for people that were sitting around with big beer bellies, and they called it Miller Lite. And in their, in their commercials, Miller Lite, uh, they, they said that it had one-third fewer calories. Their commercial said, taste great. Somebody said it. Less filling. I'm a little ashamed that you know that, Eric, but... <laughs> It scares me. For the younger people in the place that don't remember this, these commercials, they had these groups of people. They'd all be like on one side of the room and the other side of the room. And one side of the room would be yelling, taste great. And the other side would be yelling, less filling. And they'd had this argument. It was a big deal. And, and what they were saying was you could drink more of this and it wouldn't fill you up so much. And the whole thing just took off. It was a big, big campaign. Then Budweiser came out with Bud Light, which we all know what's happened with them recently. But uh, uh, thank the Lord for that. That's all I can say. Now, now what I'm getting ready to, to, to show you, a slide, is I'm going to show you the campaign that Bud Light unveiled during a Super Bowl years ago. And this was their slogan for their beer. Miller's slogan was, taste great, less filling. But when Bud Light came out, they had a different slogan. And let me just say this in preface. This slogan would probably be the devil's slogan on a plaque in his office in hell if he had one. But here's the slogan Bud Light came out with during the Super Bowl. More of what you want, less of what you don't. That is the devil's slogan. Now tell me that doesn't appeal to your flesh. More, more of what I want, less of what I don't want. Wow, that, that's exactly what the devil tells you all the time. And, and listen, to the church to, to some degree has embraced that thought and that's why we are now sensitive to what people want instead of being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. That's why we have church shoppers. It's the most offensive phrase I could ever think of to say that somebody is church shopping because you've turned it all into a com commercial game and we're just going to say, oh, I'm going to go see what I like here. And if I don't like that, I'm going to find another place. I'm, I like this better. And we choose churches not based on where we believe the Holy Spirit is saying we need to get plugged in and need to get involved. We go and we choose a church based on what we like, what we want. We, we feed that as a church by asking, what do you want? Tell me what you want because, because we don't want you to leave. God forbid that some snowflake somewhere is going to get their feelings hurt by the truth. But we say, I don't want to offend you. Can I tell you something? Here is the reality of it. Jesus offended people. He offended people. His, his disciples said of many of the things that he spoke, they said they were too hard. They actually said what he's saying is too hard to accept. And Jesus says, hey, you know what? You, you guys have been following me because he, after the feeding of the 5,000, the, the people kept following him. And he looked at them and he said, hey, you, you have been following me because of a buffet. 
because I'm feeding you meals out here, because I'm healing your blind mama, and because I'm taking care of your daddy that can't walk, and I'm bringing healings, and I'm bringing miracles. You're following me because of the miracles. But he said, once the food is, is gone and the miracles stop, then you have to pick up your cross, and you have to, if you want to follow me, and you're going to have to pay a price. And when you follow me, it's going to require you, he said, to give every give me everything you have. You have to let go of everything you want to be able to follow me. So Jesus says this, is what I said really going to cause you to leave? Is what he's saying to that crowd? Is that going to cause you to walk away from me? And let me, let me ask you this question. What will be your breaking point for you as I read out of the Bible that's going to cause you to bail and walk out and say, I'm never going back again. That, that pastor, Dave, I don't like what he said. Well, listen, if I'm reading from the Bible, remember this. I'm only the postman. Don't get mad at me. I didn't write the letter. I'm just telling you what he said. You, if, if that's the truth, you don't have a problem with me and you'll never have a problem with me. Well, I have a problem with what you say. Well, it's not what I say. I'm not speaking for me. I'm speaking God's word. So you can't get mad at me. You, you, you get mad at God. So I say, you're going to have to pay your tithes. Well, I'm going to go to a church where they don't make you pay tithes. Well, then go. But even if you go, it doesn't change what God said you need to do. Now, you, you need to serve. Well, I don't want to serve. I just want to sit. No, you, you can't do that. You, you need to serve. Well, I'm offended. God says, did I offend you? Are you, going to, are you going to walk away because you got offended? Are you going to walk away because it didn't go your way? You have to realize that after you get saved, and this is a hard thing for us as Americans, after you get saved, you don't have a voice anymore when it comes to your conversation with God. When you got saved, you lost your voice. If you want to keep your voice, if you want to carry your opinion... Then you go eat at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil like Eve did. And you can remain over there on the devil's side. But if you come over to God's side, you're going to have to change what you say and change what you think. And you don't get to go to God and say, well, I have a different opinion on that, God. Because he says, wait a minute, and I am the creator of the universe. I am the sovereign God of everything. You don't get to tell me what you think. I'm telling you what the truth is. Let me, let me give you one of the saddest scriptures in all of the New Testament. It's, it's in John 6, verse 66. This is what it says. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. When Jesus said, you have to take up a cross and follow me. When he said, if you want to follow me, you've got to eat of my flesh and, and drink of my blood. And, and he was talking about, you have, to, you have to participate in my death. You've got to get on that cross and you've got to die. When he said this, Many disciples turned away and they deserted him. It says that many of Jesus' followers turned away and they went back to their old lives because they wanted Christianity light. Many people want a Christianity that fits into what, what we think it should be or fits into what we want to do. And, and, if, and if we don't want to have to give everything up, then we find a place that's, that's preaching a message where we can... Just, we don't have to do anything. Once Jesus told them that it was going to cost to follow him, there were many that turned back and they went back to their own lives. And here's the question each of us has to deal with. You know, we, we want nice messages. 
We want the encouraging word. And, this, and listen, I hope to be uh, encouraging as often as possible. In fact, I'll tell you, pre, to get prepared for to preach this message, I wrestled with God a lot this week, all weekend long, thinking, do I need to change this, God? I want to make sure I'm hearing from you. I, I, I don't want to just sound like I'm some heavy somewhere, and, but, but God wouldn't let me let, release me from this. But, but uh, uh, we want these nice messages. But what if I preach something that's hard, that, that's, pre- that's preached right at you in a sense, the Holy Spirit directs it right at you? Are you in that moment? Are you going to bail out? Like these people are, you're going to say, if that's what I need to hear, if that's what I need in order to grow up, then I'm going to take that into my life. Am I going to, am I going to listen? Because Jesus was not light in what he taught. Now, now this, this whole light thing from the beer market moved over into foods. I want you to look at, look at this slide. You're, you're going to see several items here. You see up there, the first one on the upper left. Milky Way light. Who wants to mess with a Milky Way? Listen, just leave it alone, okay? It's candy. And thankfully, I want to say this. Thankfully, they stopped making that abomination. <laughs> we, we, have, we have light ice cream. We, we, have, we have light pancake syrup. Listen, don't mess with my pancake syrup. Can I get an amen? amen. We, we have light whipped cream. We have light mayonnaise. We have, it's kind of funny to me, light sour cream. Okay, if you, if you really believe there's such a thing as light sour cream, you go ahead and get it and eat it, and you might as well just, just pack it right on your hips because it's going to be there next week because it's still sour cream, right? And, and look, at, look at the bottom left. This is the one that kind of cracked me up when I was looking around. You see that? Spam. Spam, spam light. Why would you want to mess with the taste of spam? It's so good already. So, so here it is. Listen, there, there, here's the mentality of going light. L- let me tell you what light does in this situation, but let me tell you what it does as it comes into the church. What, what you see with these products is they're telling you, hey, it tastes the same. Now they're lying, <laughs> but they're telling you it tastes the same. There's no difference in the way it tastes. There's no difference in the way it looks. But we messed with it, and it doesn't have all the same ingredients. We've taken out some things, but we added some chemicals to make sure the taste is the same, and you won't notice at all. So, yes, it's fewer calories, but you're going to die of the chemicals we put in, but it's still the same. So it looks the same, but it's not really the same. Listen, Christianity light looks the same but it's not really the same. Church, we can have a building, we can have worship, we can have preaching, and it looks the same, but it's not the same. Something has been removed from it. The Bible talks about it in 2 Timothy 3, 5, where it talks about having a form of godliness, which which means it tastes great, but it denies the power, which means it's less filling. And you need to turn away from it. See, a form of godliness is when we come in and we play church, but there's no power. And God says that if there's no power in the church, then you're not having church. If there's no power to change a life, there's no power. You're not having church. We're not having church unless God comes in and he and he moves in your heart and he slams onto your soul and he touches your heart. Jesus's words offended people and it tore them up. And the light mentality has come into the church. But we have to remember that he is going to offend us. 
this. He's going to offend my habits. He's going to offend my emotions. He's going to offend every aspect of my mind and my attitude. He came to humiliate my flesh. How you feel about it in, in that case is not important to God. He is not concerned with how you feel when the truth confronts the reality of your life. Because he's just trying to get you to change. Jesus did not compromise his message for anyone. How many of you remember the story of the rich young ruler? You remember the rich young ruler? This guy, I mean, he has three things going for him. You know what they are? He's rich. He's young. And he's powerful. He's in control. He's a ruler. And Jesus walks up to him and the conversation starts. And I can just, in my imagination, I can picture the disciples are, are seeing this going on and they can see this is a wealthy man. And, and I, imagine, I imagine them saying, oh, finally, finally Jesus meets somebody with some money. I'm so tired of sleeping on the mountain in a sleeping bag. This man could buy us a palace. I mean, he could put us up in his guest house and we could do really well. If Jesus will just handle this right, I hope Jesus works him really good. And Jesus walks up to the man and he says, your stronghold is your money. Get rid of all your money and then you can get saved. And the disciples are like, he's blowing it. He's blowing it. This guy could pay off the church mortgage. This guy could build a new youth center. Don't blow it, Jesus. Can't you just soften it up a little bit? But why would he soften something for which he spilled his blood? He can't soften it. He can't do that. He didn't soften it with this man. What happened to the rich young ruler? Well, he's only mentioned this one time in the, in the history. He's never talked about again in the Bible after this one encounter with Jesus. I, I, I would think that if he had gotten saved, he, the Bible probably would have mentioned it because it would have been worth a, worth a story in the Bible, but we never see him again. So as far as I know, he walked away from Jesus and ended up going to hell. As far as I know. By the way, for those who think that you can get saved anytime, you're wrong. If you're saying, well, I just want to sow my oats. I want to have some fun. I'll, I'll make things right with God later. No, no. Listen, you, you don't get to choose how you come to Jesus. Jesus said, no man comes to the Father unless the Spirit draws him. You don't get to make that decision and say, well, I'll do it six days from now. Because he draws you. And if you're not being drawn, you don't get saved. You don't get saved on your own terms. You don't set the terms and say, okay, God, I'll come and follow you if you'll do this, this, and this, and then I'll, I'll do this. No, you come and you offer him. You say, okay, Lord, I see your offer. You're offering me a crucifixion in exchange for a resurrection. And in that resurrection, you're going to bless me and I'm going to walk in the abundance of life and you're going to do some powerful things and I'm going to be a child of God and I'm going to have an eternity with Him. But I'm going to come based on what you said. And if that means I have to get on the cross to do it, so be it. Let me close. I'll stop for today. Jesus is on the cross between two thieves. They're both rotten. Both of them are going to hell. And watch though, one said, Jesus, I believe that you are who, who you say you are. Even, even though you're hanging on a cross, I still believe that you are who you say you are. So remember me 
This is so amazing to me. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. To say that to a man hanging on a cross, bleeding out. That's amazing to me. That's incredible faith. And Jesus looked at him and he said, Today, because of your faith, today you're going to be with me in paradise. I just pictured the, the thief looking at the other thief on the cross and saying, What about you? He says, No, I'm not going to do it. I don't believe. Listen, Jesus does not guarantee another chance to get saved, to get things right with God. He only guarantees to ask you one time if you want to change. The other thief on the cross never had a second chance, did he? He never ever had a chance to say, well, I've thought about it, and I guess I, I, I need to deal with it now. Jesus does not have to talk with you again. If he does, that's the work of grace in your life. But here, here's the point. All of this... All of the, the, the following Jesus, the moving of the Spirit, all of this that, that used to move you doesn't move you anymore. All of a sudden you can be sitting, be, be, because I've met many people like this, they're, they're sitting in a church and, and they don't laugh, they don't clap, they don't, they don't sing, they don't lift their hands, they don't worship, they just come and sit and, and go through it and and you know, if that's what you're, who you are, then you're, you're like a knocked out boxer that's standing in the middle of the ring with his fist in the air because that's how he's been trained to do, but you're, but you're actually out on your feet. You sit and you're numb to everything that's being said and you have no feelings at all. You're not moved by God. You say, let other people worship. That's not me. I, I don't like to sing. You say, let, let, let other people go forward. That's not me. I'll, I'll handle it my own way. What, what do you mean you'll handle it your own way? You, I mean, how, where do you get the audacity to say you're going to do it your way when God tells you how he wants it to be done? Who are you to stand before God and say, I think I'm just going to do it the way I want to do it? That's exactly what the devil would say, isn't it? Those are words from hell, my friend. What's even worse is that I, I think the devil makes a mockery out of people. He makes a mockery out of people, the ones that actually come and sit in church. He, he'll actually allow you to hear what the preacher says, and, and then you'll stand up and walk out completely in, unchanged. The devil says, I'm, I'll even sit people down right in front of you, God. I'll sit people down where they're hearing your word, and they're still not going to be moved by you. And You walk out thinking you've won, thinking that you, I showed God, I showed him who's in control. But you don't see that in the spiritual realm, the devil has strings hanging on your mind and on your spirit. And he's making you dance like a puppet. He's moving you around and he's toying with you and everything you do. He's got you. Oh, I'm free. No, you're not free. You're talking like he wants you to talk. You think like he wants you to talk, to, to think. You're walking like the devil wants you to walk. Your, your, your actions are what he wants. And, and he tells you, oh, you're a, you're a big man. You're a big person. You, you know how to handle this. But listen, I'm here to tell you, you may not have another chance. You and I, you and I may never meet again. What do you mean? Well, I, I could be dead tomorrow. I don't know. I hope not. You could be dead tomorrow. 
This might be my last chance to even tell you this, and it might be your last chance to hear it. And you say, are you trying to scare me? No, I'm just telling you the reality. That's the real world. I mean, look at the news. Seems like every day there's a, sh- a report of some guy on in some random shooting spree and killing people that happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Tell me that I'm wrong, that the world is not crazier than it's ever been, that, that you could just be walking in a mall somewhere and somebody could start shooting and kill you. Tell me that's, that's not true. I'm just telling you that we're living in a day where, frankly, I just would not gamble with eternity any longer. I would make sure that I was right with God. Because frankly, by the time your casket is sitting here in front of me at a funeral, I can't talk to you anymore. I can't reach you any longer. All I can do is look at you and say, why? Why not? Why why did you put it off? Why? What was the thing that you had to hold on to that was so precious that you couldn't just let it go? What, What was it that was so valuable for you to reject Jesus? Don't do that today. You stand to your feet very quietly. There's a hush in this place. Let me tell you what that is. That heaviness, I believe that's an anointing. God is moving in. God's walking down the aisle. It's God standing behind you, whispering in your ear. It's Him saying, I'm giving you a chance. If you don't take the opportunity, then his heart is broken that that you would just leave. But listen, the altar call today is going to be very simple. Here it is. I want you to come to heaven with me. If I could look every one of you in the eyes, I'd say, I want you to come to heaven with me. I don't want you to miss out on what Jesus is offering you. Mary Beth is going to sing a song. I don't know what she's going to sing, but this morning, God is dealing with you. I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to to step out from your seat and come to this altar. You you know God's talking to you. We're going to close in a couple minutes, but, but I want you to step out and come to this altar. You make the choice. You make the choice. You may be saying, well, that that's going to be embarrassing if I go down there. Well, Listen, can I just tell you, just just suck it up. Just come down. Don't worry about it. Because honestly, it'll be a lot worse to go to hell than it would be to be embarrassed in this place today. So I'm going to ask you to come down and respond to what God is saying to you today. Would you do that right now? Step out. If you need prayer today, if you feel the convicting power of the Spirit, if you feel God talking to you, and maybe it's not that, you have, that you're off somewhere, you're sinning, but maybe you're just there and you say, you know what, I realize I've, I've been settling. I realize that I've got a lot, of, a lot of me that's still alive. I realize that my flesh needs to be crucified. And I, wanna, I just want to come to God and I want to get serious about it. And I want to say, Lord... I want to die. I want my old me to die. I want you to live through me. I want to be a different person. I don't want to be the one that responds to everything that's going on around me. I want to be the one who walks in the Spirit. And if that's you this morning, I'm just going to invite you. Come. We've already had some respond. Is there anybody else? Would you, would you take that step of courage? 
Mary Beth, lead, lead us in a song. Would you do that? It is a new horizon. Maybe you can even lean over to the person next to you and say, hey, if you need to go, I'll go with you. Would you do that? Maybe you can just do that. Just whisper to somebody near you. Say, hey, if you'd like to go down and pray, I'll go with you. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that God has for you. That's the Spirit of God drawing you in this moment. Saying, today is your day. Today is your day. Today is your day. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we just come into your presence. Just lift your hands to him if you're down here. Just offer yourself to him. Just say, Jesus, here I am. You don't have to have special words. Just say, here I am, God. I offer my whole self, all of me to you. Lord, I'm tired of running. I'm tired of fighting. I know that I want to serve you. I want you in my life. I want you more than anything, Lord God. I, I want you to be such a priority to me that you are my breath, that you are my life, you are my Lord. And from this day forward, Lord God, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to serve you. And Lord, I pray that every one of us at this place, and especially those of us at the altar, God, that we would come before you and say, oh God, let me die to myself. Let me crawl up on that cross. I want to experience the crucifixion so that I can walk in the resurrection. I want to die to myself so I can walk in the spirit. I want Jesus to live through me. I want him to speak through me. I want him to touch through me. I'm tired of doing things my own way. And Lord, I pray in those moments where we pull things back that your spirit would say, please would, would plead with us and say, oh, come on now. Let me have it. Let me do this. And God, in those moments where our flesh wants to respond, I pray, God, that we would continually crucify the flesh, that we would offer ourselves as a living sacrifice to you, O oh God, that we would come to you and say, God, here I am today. I offered myself yesterday, and that's not good enough for today, but God, today would be the day. And Lord, I pray that those that are around this altar, Lord, as they confess their need for you, they confess their sin to you, I pray that you would fill them with your spirit that God, this would be a turning point in their life. Thank you for your faithfulness in drawing people to Jesus. And Lord, help us to always point to Jesus in this place. Thank you, Lord Jesus.